Challenge the Chairman exclusively on Tory Radio, www.toryradio.com. Once again, it's my pleasure to be talking to the Chairman of the uh, Conservative Party, Francis Moore MP. Francis, thank you for talking to us again today. It's a pleasure. Since we last spoke, we've had uh, a few elections, so I'd like to kick off with the uh, local elections uh, in England. How good were they for us, and are there any particular results that stand out for you? Yeah, they were really good. I mean, they were way better than the pundits predicted. You know, the BBC confidently predicted in advance that we'd do well to get 330 gains. We got three times, nearly three times that number. Um, so it, it was really good. But it was patchy. It was mixed. Um, Northwest was uh, was brilliant. We had some knockout results in Northwest, um, you know, Blackpool, South Ribble, Chester in particular, but others where we made real progress. Um, um, some great results in the West Midlands. And and actually across the uh, south of England, southeast, East Anglia, uh, uh, and the southwest, we really pushed the Lib Dems back big time. And that's, uh, that's always, um, uh, always satisfactory. But it was patchy. You know, there are places we did really, you know, we should have done much, much better. So I think in a, lots of ways it's been helpful because it... Um, and even when we've done badly, it focuses our minds on places where the party has got a problem. We're not campaigning vigorously, um, we're not organised right, um, and uh, we've got um, a long way to go. Um, Yorkshire, we didn't do as well as we might have hoped, but you know, last year in Yorkshire, we actually went backwards. Our vote share slipped back in, in, in Yorkshire. This year, we held it and made a modest advance. But, you know, the big difference, we talk about the issues we have in the north, but actually the northwest has been going really well for us. Mm. Yorkshire, not so well. Northeast, making progress. Um, you know, winning wards for the first time ever in Washington. You know, not natural Tory territory. Mm. And that's because, you know, in the, the guys in Sunderland, which includes Washington, are just brilliant campaigners. They are relentless campaigners, and they're engaged with the community they're doing all the right things and they're winning seats in unexpected places. And on that voting pattern, we would have won the Sunderland Central uh, constituency, which is fantastic. And what about the results in uh, Scotland and Wales? Well, different. I mean, Wales, very good, I think. I mean, we, we in terms of the popular vote, we went into second place because of a quirk in the voting system. We had fewer uh, assembly members than applied. But you know, we went ahead of the applied in, in terms of the popular vote, and we won four, gained four new um, first-past-the-post seats, and they're exactly coterminous with the Westminster seats. Cardiff North, for example, Jonathan Morgan, his superb candidate, uh, won it with um, you know, a majority of five thousand, and that's incredibly encouraging for the uh, for, for the parliamentary elections. And we only won. Um, a total of five first-past-the-post seats, including Monmouth, which we already held. But we came very close in another four. So all of that's really good news. And and actually, what's happened as a result of it, at the election this applies not just in Wales, um, some seats have come into uh, focus as potential target seats, which were off the radar before. We just did so much better than we expected. Scotland, um, I think it'd be wrong to deny that it was a disappointment. I think Annabelle fought a very um, brave and um, feisty campaign, um, and it was good that we pushed the Lib Dems into fourth place, and we won an extra first-past-the-post seat. All that's all that's good. 
um, but in reality winning 13-15% um, of the vote in Scotland is way below where we should be. No one is going to persuade me that in Scotland you know, there is not 25-30% to 30 of the electorate who would vote for a moderate centre-right party committed to enterprise and um, uh, 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 and uh, free market economy. There's something that's not working there. We're not we're not engaging in the right way. The other three parties are all parties of the left. You know, we as a moderate centre right party ought to be making much more progress mm. in Scotland. Is that do you think that's a sign that the Scottish Conservative Party needs to perhaps be more independent of of the party down sort of based in mainly England? I don't know, it's a difficult one. I mean, it already is very independent. It has its own board, its own uh, rules, um, its own membership. Membership rules are different there from here. Um, the control we have over the Scottish Party is pretty limited. You know, we, the party chairman in Scotland is, is a joint appointment by, uh, and treasurer, a joint appointment by the Scottish board and by the party leader, the UK party leader. But that's as far as it, it goes. Um, it, is, it is very independent. I think the problem is that it's not seen to be independent in Scotland. It's seen to be kind of the tag end of an English party, which is very unfair on our colleagues in Scotland. So there's something that's not working. Um, I, I don't claim at this stage to know what the answer is. And it actually, to be honest, is an answer that has to come out of Scotland, not out of London. We've got a couple of observations. We've we, we mentioned Wales. Councillor Matt Wright, North Wales Area Chairman, comments, we've just made some very interesting progress in Wales and have a number of marginal seats. My own seat, the Vale of Clwyd, is down, down to a majority of 92. In North Wales, we have four seats that could be described as targets, with two now even more marginal. We are sometimes told that we are not doing as well in the North in, in the north, Wales and Scotland, but certainly in the case of the first two, we appear to have great opportunities. What more can be done to help these areas as to win the next general election we need to win for all of Britain? And then Peter Hatchett says, we have a real chance of 11, even 12 Welsh MPs at the next election, the highest for years, equaling or beating even Thatcher in 79. As you've already pointed out, Francis, we hold five in the Assembly. These should transfer automatically to Westminster seats in 2009 and came within a whisker of Clwyd South, Vale of Glamorgan, Vale of Clwyd, Gower, Newport West and close in Demi. I'm sure, I hope those pronunciations of mine are right, yeah. I'm sure there are others we have a chance in. What will you do, Francis, to ensure this happens? And, and his suggestion is a boots on the ground and local Welsh candidates rather than English A-listers, CCHQ call centres or fancy advertising would be far more effective. Well, I don't. I mean, I think I totally agree with what both um, Matt and Peter um, say. Um, they're both right that you know, these were very encouraging results for us, um, and, uh, it, and and we could easily win. I think um, Peter's absolutely right. We could easily win eleven or twelve return eleven or twelve Welsh Conservative MPs, um, and these you know we came really close in a whole bunch of seats some of which would have been very much on our radar, radar. others of which Vale of Clwyd, um, Clwyd South, um, Gower, you know, these were not, uh, these were not very close, uh, uh, not very high up on our, on our target list. Montgomery, um, we, in the regional vote, we, we were ahead, you know, we were the biggest, we got more votes than anyone else in the regional vote. So, 
you know, I think there are, there are lots of places where there's encouragement. What can we do? Well, you know, we have got to get more professional support on the ground. Totally agree about um, local candidates, Welsh candidates. You know, we we should not be um, parachuting in, or actually, you know, the Welsh party on the ground, the associations on the ground, shouldn't be wanting to parachute in candidates from outside. We've got some brilliant Welsh candidates. A lot of them proved themselves in the assembly elections um, and are really well placed, including some of them who fought the same seats for the for the assembly. So all of that's good. We need more professional support on the ground. We've got far too few agents on the ground. We will need to look, and I know the Welsh party is already looking at this as some groupings. I mean, there's a very strong case for a serious, well-resourced uh, campaign centre in the north of uh, Wales, serving that whole uh, bunch of of marginal seats that uh, Matt refers to. Um, we need to look at something similar um, in the south of, of Wales, because there is this big cluster of seats, Vale of Glamorgan, um, uh, Gower, arguably Newport West, Cardiff North, um, where um, Bridge End, all of these are seats that are well within uh, our grasp and looking to provide a, a really serious resource centre uh, with professional support to drive the campaigning um, and you know drive the membership recruitment, all of that is um, hugely important. So you know I think uh, Matt and Peter are absolutely on the right uh, on the right ground. Moving away from uh, the, the Welsh elections, uh, HF wants to know whether the Lib Dems, uh, in your estimation, still have a better by-election system than us, and uh, who will be in charge of our campaign in the next by-election? Um, the Lib Dems certainly have had a better by-election system than us. Uh, it, 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 it bulks much larger in their minds than it has done in ours, because the Lib Dems, being a small party that doesn't have to run a national uh, program, they get a disproportionate uh, bang for the buck in, in by-elections and um, they've been doing this very successfully for very many years. Uh, the people running a by-election campaign for us um, will be uh, Grant Shapps, who's my vice chairman um, for campaigning, who is a superb campaigner. Uh, and David McIntosh, who is the professional head of the by-election team, which is now a team of four people altogether. Um, and, um, uh, uh, but what we've also done, and good to have this opportunity to uh, uh, do a bit more recruitment on, on air uh, through your uh, uh, programme, Jonathan, w one of the things we set up was the Volunteer Task Force, which is very much designed to kind of replicate a bit what the Lib Dems do, um, but to have what I always think of as our territorial army, people who will commit a, a, a week or more a year to help in, in by-elections, so that when we do have a parliamentary by-election, there are people who are totally up to speed with cutting-edge campaigning, who can come in, who will come in and commit and, and carry out lots of leadership um, functions as well as actually ground campaigning um, and, and make, make things happen. Uh, and that's underway. We've got, um, uh, I think it's nearly 300 people belonging to that already. We've got our new campaign website called uh, campaigntogether.com. Um, and you go to that and you can find, A, you can sign up as a volunteer in the volunteer task force through that. 
and I'm also about to write to association chairman asking them to nominate more people for it. But the second thing that you can do through that is find out where the uh, local council by-elections are that are near to you, and there's a very nifty system you can uh, put in your postcode, and the by-election, current by-election that's nearest to you comes up with a map telling you who to contact and where to go. And, you know, local council by-elections are very, very important for us. Uh, They've received too little focus in previous years. And I've been very concerned in the two years I've been doing this to up our game on those spectacularly. And the by-election team, David McIntosh's by-election team, works very closely with um, Eric Pickles and and the whole and Alan Mabbott and the whole local government team. You know, focus on what are the priorities, and the priorities plainly are. You know, if there's a by-election where uh, control of the council is is at stake, then that's obviously a priority. If it's a local council by-election in a target parliamentary seat, that's really important. Um, So there are lots of reasons for getting stuck into these. So, um, you know, are we as good as uh, other parties have been? No, we haven't been, but we are very seriously upping our game. You know, David McIntosh, who's running this uh, by-election team day in and day out, uh, is, is, is a brilliant campaigner. And if somebody wants to get involved, they should just visit that website and go to campaigntogether.com. Excellent. We've got. I'm going to give you throw three questions at you now, all on the uh, mayoral elections, because uh, some of them are quite similar. Simon asks, who exactly was responsible for the mayor of London debacle? The sounding out of Greg Dyke not only insulted party members, but those considering to be candidates for the Conservative nomination. If the elite of the party has written off having an official Conservative candidate, why bother bother having a candidate at all? Uh, Jane Swift comments. Why are you so clueless about the mayoral election? You have failed to understand what it takes to be a serious candidate and what it takes to engage the electorate. Perhaps we should will be better off with a chairman with strong political instincts. Uh, and Oddball also has a comment. He, he says, Francis, the mayoral election is not only vital for London, but will also be a national test for the Tories. I.e., if we fail, we'll be a laughing stock. Why then is it such a dog's breakfast with only bone-achingly dull <laughs> Kensington and Chelsea councillors, policy wonks and party apparatchiks coming forward we need a non-political candidate uh, which was contradicts Greg, the, the yeah. previous comment about Greg Dyke so you can't win someone with business now so he's beholden to no one over to you Francis well you know you can't please everyone can you um, I know when we decided to open this thing up to a primary um, it was very much in it, it, having in mind that people don't necessarily want a, a bog standard politician to, to do a job like this um, they want someone who is going to have sort of proven capability of running a big organisation. They want someone um, who has some popular appeal and who's going to be an inspiring leader of a great city uh, and, a, and a, an impressive ambassador for that city um, abroad. And you know that person may be a politician, but you know we shouldn't limit it to that. And just dealing with the Greg Dyke issue. Um, Greg Dyke uh, was very interested in running. Um, actually, if it had worked um, for him to run as a candidate jointly for the Lib Dems and for us, that would have been quite an interesting thing to do. And I think he said afterwards, um, uh, what a pity it was that Ming Campbell had been rather timid and conventional and not nearly as brave as David Cameron was, because this was a new way of doing politics. And actually one I think Londoners would really... Have, have warmed to. Um, I mean, I think uh, some of these comments are a bit unkind to the current um, 
people who've applied to be uh, our mayoral candidate. Uh, at the end of it, all we can do is run a process. Uh, and that we're doing, it's perfectly clear. A lot of people have applied, and that's great. There are some other people who are in the offing, who are interested. And, you know, from my point of view, it's come one, come all. No one is favoured, no one is, uh, has preferred status. They will all have to run the gauntlet of um, a selection process, and then if they get into a shortlist, a primary, um, and may the best man or woman win. But from our point of view, all we can do is open up the process um, and let nature take its course. Many of the uh, mayoral candidates have uh, got a web presence. Justin Hinchley has, has, has a question about technology and campaigning. He asks, what are you doing to ensure that associations, especially in marginal seats, have websites and up-to-date ones uh, too? Why have we not selected for Eastleigh, which has a wafer-thin Lib Dem majority of 500? So, two different questions. Yeah. Well, on the first one, what can I do to ensure associations have proper websites? Uh, not a lot, actually. You know, associations, as I am constantly told, are autonomous and run their own show and don't always take kindly to us interfering. You know, one of the oldest lies there is is, uh, I'm from head office, I'm here to help you. Um, <laughs> I'm from head office, I'm here to provide you with a website. might have the same, uh, same response. Of course, web associations should have websites and candidates should too. Uh, if a target seat association and candidate do not have a website, then that is a matter for grave concern and we will intervene to make sure that that happens. We'll certainly not be supporting someone who isn't doing basic stuff uh, like that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely right, Justin, to focus on that and we need to get that um, right. And tell me if you think there are associations which aren't doing it right. We will a friendly word may um, help. Eastly, um, Eastly, you're quite right, as a wafer thin lived in majority. Um, I've got to say that it's not at the moment a brilliant campaigning organisation. Um, they managed to lose their last two Conservative councillors uh, from within the Eastley constituency. Um, this is not a distinguished performance. Um, so uh, there are some issues there. Adam uh, asked a question no matter how good the leader how appealing the message or how glossy the leaflet there's no substitute for members on the ground in constituencies what's the plan, is there a plan for boosting membership outside the party's heartland areas well as Harold Wilson used to say I'm glad you asked that one Adam because <laughs> it's very timely we are um, going to be running a major uh, membership drive to recruit members and re registered supporters uh, between June and September. I mean, the first phase, I'm just, in fact, I think the email to association chairman and deputy chairman membership, plus area and regional deputy chairman membership, has, has either just going out or just gone out. Um, the plan is that uh, in June and July, we will be asking associations to do their own um, membership recruitment, um, and we will support, provide material, direct mail letters, all of that, um, and uh, uh, back it up with um, campaigns. We will be camp you know, running the same kind of political campaigns we were running previously, like at the NHS, NHES campaign, which was very successful, uh, and then seeking to recruit people off the back of those campaigns. So um, associations should be looking to be running street stalls on Saturdays during sort of second half of June and um, and, and July, 
um, looking to um, be direct mailing uh, their pledges because everyone should have um, new, newly sort of refreshed pledge lists from the local elections, following it up with uh, telephone and, and doorstep recruitment. Uh, we need to make this really work and, uh, and I hope we'll find a lot of registered supporters as well, people who don't necessarily want to be a full member but who may want to be involved may want to help deliver. I mean, I find as I do- knock on doors, um, you're much more likely to find a, a Conservative supporter who will agree to deliver, to be part of a delivery network, to commit to deliver, you know, to 100 houses four times a year, than you are to recruit a member. But we need both, uh, and we will be doing a lot over this uh, this summer. And we'll be supporting the local activity with some national advertising and some internet advertising. We want to make a lot of this. Moving away from uh, actual membership to the resources that we've got, uh, Adam, I'm not sure if it's the same Adam, uh, comments, seeing as the Lib Dems are now looking entrenched of the opposition to Labour in places like Newcastle Central, City uh, of Durham, Sheffield Hallam, Aberdeen uh, and so on, is it time to acknowledge that we can't continue to keep pushing all our resources into the tight marginals and we have to be prepared to put resources into more difficult seats now in order to be able to have a chance of taking them in future elections? Yes, yes to all of that, I mean I completely agree um, and uh, that's why, actually, again, one of the first things I did uh, when, when I became party chairman back to literally two years ago now, um, I hired uh, Eric Ollerenshaw, um to head up our cities and diversity uh, activity because I was very concerned that um, we were simply absent from far too many of the great cities. The party's organisation had become very depleted um, and you won't build it back overnight. Um, you've got to take a long view and then we'll, uh, some of these cities um, we have never had conservative MPs some of them we've occasionally but a long time ago um, and we are some of these places a lot of them no chance of winning a seat there in the next election um, but that doesn't mean to say we should not be putting effort and resource into it um, and I completely agree that it's it's really important I mean, I'll just run through some of the things we've done. We've appointed shadow ministers for um, virtually all the cities, and we've got a few more. I need to talk to David Cameron about I'd like us to put in place. And they've been really good, providing some focus and presence in the city, working with the local parties to reorganise, in many cases to bring together all of the Conservative associations in the city into a single city-wide association pull resources so you can do the targeting more effectively ward by ward uh, on the council um, we've done that we're um, just generally building up the activity um, building up a bit more infrastructure having um, campaign centres uh, on the ground, we've got the one in Salford which has been there for since just before the last election one we opened in Newcastle after the uh, last election summer of autumn 2005 and one we're just opening uh, in Bradford which will from which will run really the whole of the Yorkshire operation we're getting much more critical mass and again the whole thing we did with campaign north um, we are raising much more money from the north of England but spending much more as well we will 
uh, do something between double and treble the number of paid staff on the ground in the north of England. And in places where our membership has become, an organisation has become very depleted, there, there is no substitute for having paid professionals on the ground um, to get things going, to get things built up. Um, so there is a lot happening. Um, you know, it is still relatively early days and we do have to take a long-term view. And the one thing I will not allow is the short-term imperative of winning the election, which is obviously dominant, the most important thing, but I will not allow that to um, totally displace the long-term need to be rebuilding the party mm. in places where we've had too little presence. Actually, I think the two things are completely complementary. I think us having a more vigorous, lively, audible and visible presence uh, in the great cities actually enhances the appeal of the party in exactly the tight marginal seats that Adam refers to. Mm. On to an issue that's, that's been in the, the papers a, f- a fair bit over <laughs> the last week or so. David Rowland, uh, a student at the University of Hull, uh, emailed in. He, he comments that, that he was brought up in Seven Oaks in Kent, uh, and he said, this was emailed in a few days ago, Yesterday, David Cameron announced, after having spent a week at a comprehensive school in the northeast, that he saw no future for the grammar schools in this country. I was educated at the local grammar school, as was my sister and many of the people in this area. Approximately 25% of children go through state-run grammar schools here. I know that abolishing the grammar schools will not, will not only alienate the older generation, but the, f- the future support of the party also. Well... If we were talking about abolishing grammar schools, I'm sure it would, but as that's, no one has for a second suggested that, not quite sure what uh, David's on about. Um, he didn't announce he saw no future for grammar schools in this country. I mean, it's complete nonsense. We've said that um, existing grammar schools we expect to survive and thrive. You should never, ever contemplate uh, destroying a good school uh, that does good work. Uh, the point is that... Um, you know, and, and I've been astonished how that this has been regarded as news. David Cameron said, literally a day or two after he was elected leader, we will not bring back the uh, 11 plus in places where it doesn't exist, and we will not build new grammar schools. You know, but as we hadn't done in the, all the 18 years of radical reforming um, Thatcher and major government, that should not be a surprise. And, and I honestly do urge uh, David and others to recognise that the politics of embarking on um, new grammar schools would be absolutely catastrophic. Um, and places where uh, there aren't grammar schools, I think the only place that even contemplated it during the Thatcher years was Solihull, and it unleashed such a furore uh, that they very soon backed off. Uh, in pla- it, which is not to say that everyone thinks that the cur- current secondary schools are fine. Mm. They don't. There are real problems, and it's that that we should be addressing. Uh, you should be addressing um, the inadequacy of too many secondary schools by empowering head teachers to deal with discipline issues more effectively, uh, in encouraging them to get rid of mixed ability teaching, which is a completely outworn dogma of the past, setting and streaming is the right way to get academic rigour, to stretch uh, kids who are good, who have a particular aptitude for some 
subjects, very bright kids, there'll be plenty who are very good at all subjects. Not all will be good at everything. So setting by ability in particular subjects is the right way to create the circumstances in which the brightest children can be properly stretched and, and fulfil their potential. And that's something that will then benefit all children, mm. not just the few, the 25%, who were lucky, as David Rowland was, to get into the grammar school. I mean, on, on that specific point, do, do you think people actually got the wrong end of the stick with what, what has been and probably still will be for a few more days, a, a media frenzy which has t- taken place over the speech? What, what is the message that, that you think Tory members and Tory voters should, should take away from what was actually said? Well, I mean, that we are committed to um, expanding the academy programme and the City Technology College programme that was started. The Tony Blair's much-vaunted academy programme is really a development of what Ken Baker started 20 years ago now, the City Technology Colleges. And this is the way to um, make, make progress, um, which will benefit all the kids in, in an area, not just um, a few. Um, so existing grammar schools, safe. Um, they will uh, continue to flourish, I'm sure. Um, uh, but actually the Conservatives, if we are to govern in the interests of everybody in Britain, we need to be in the business of improving education for all pupils, not just the few who get into grammar schools. The final, final point then, then on this one was that there were the, I think there was a YouGov poll which suggested 49% of, of, of voters quite like grammar schools and 71% of of Tories possibly did, and then you can take what you want from opinion polls. Do you think that, that those people are, for, for want of a better word, what David Cameron said is delusional? Um, I think people, uh, people will have their views. Um, uh, I think uh, the, the reality is that when you even mention the possibility of reintroducing grammar schools in a particular place, it turns out to be incredibly unpopular very quickly, and. You know, given that it isn't the answer to all the problems that there are in the education system, you know, massive reorganisation, when there is so much that can be quickly, cheaply and effectively done to improve schooling in comprehensive schools, it kind of seems that's the place to be. Moving along now, Sam Coates from Conservative OMS, can you give us an update on how well you feel social action is uh, progressing as an activity taken on by local associations and candidates? Well, now that the local elections are over and I can sort of stop scrubbing off graffiti <laughs> on, um, <laughs> and cleaning up car parks, um, uh, it's been fantastic, actually. And, and actually, I mean, I did a huge amount of campaigning around the place um, during the local elections. And it's just worth making the point that those local candidates, council group, teams, associations who had totally bought into what we are about, you know, the new branding, the new approach, social action, all of that, um, they were excited, they were, you know, adrenaline, and they won, and they did really well. And the ones, and there were some around the place who sat back arms folded saying we've always done it this way and this is the way we're going to carry on doing it um, lost um, and the reality is active campaigning in the community for the community by local activists and candidates is what wins us credibility and then wins us elections and then we win elections because people think we deserve it and it isn't because we've got a particular policy necessarily, although their policies important. It's because they pe- think we're trustworthy people who care about their community, who are from their community and care about their community. 
in a, in a week where I think it was Margaret Hodges as has made a few comments uh, about uh, immigration and housing. 601 asks, why won't the Tory elite even mention immigration and asylum? And do you think allowing asylum seekers to work instead of, in his words, sponging is a good idea? Well, um, why won't we mention immigration? You'll find uh, Damien Green, I think it's either today or tomorrow, um, is publishing um, uh, some proposals specifically on immigration and there will be more coming out. We don't have any inhibitions about talking about immigration. Uh, we've said that we think immigration has been hugely beneficial to this country. It's invigorated us. Uh, we are a nation which has constantly, through its history, been invigorated going back. Now, I smile when I hear people talking about the indigenous Anglo-Saxon community. I mean, where on earth do they think the Angles and the Saxons came from? Um, and um, immigration has been very good for us but it does need to be controlled, and it is patently out of control. The government doesn't even know, even to the nearest 100,000, how many illegal immigrants there are in this country. That is a real issue, um, and it needs to be serious um, immigration control. But, you know, if we talk about it in a way that conveys the sense that we don't really like immigration, then we alienate um, wrongly huge numbers of British citizens um, who come from a recent immigrant background um, and um, that's wrong we have to be a party for everyone, all British people and that means yes, firm commitment to serious control of immigration but recognising that immigration has been in this country as in America and most countries, it is part of the lifeblood of the country. It gives us vigour. Uh, the diversity is invigorating, not weakening, um, and we should support it. Alan Douglas is the uh, first person to uh, use a new facility here at Toy Radio where any listener can call in and leave a question or a comment. So if you want to leave a comment or have a question, please call. And hopefully at some point in the future I'll remember this number, 0845 257 0427. Alan's question is as follows. Uh, my question is, for anybody in the Tory party, uh, do you have any policies that someone from the Tory party of, say, 20 years ago would recognise as being conservative? I'd love to know. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think back, actually. Um, you know, 30 years ago, my father was sitting in Conservative Central Office as Deputy Chairman of the party responsible for... Uh, the research department, policy renewal, communications. Um, would he look at what we are about today and recognise it as being conservative? Unequivocally, unequivocally, what are we about? We're about social responsibility um, as against Labour's centralised state control. That is profoundly conservative. Commitment to the environment. Um, it should always be conservatives who are in the lead. On, on the environment. Um, my mother um, was a, an environmentalist 40 years ago before it was before it was fashionable. She wrote a book about um, the environment. She was most deeply conservative. Actually, she was quite radical in lots of ways, but, um, <laughs> but profoundly committed to the conservative cause. Um, Thatcher, 20 years ago, was the first world leader to highlight the risks of global warming long before anyone else did, long before there was a global warming industry. Uh, conservative, this is 
you know, it should be conservatives above all who take a long-term view about the um, survival uh, and health of, of the planet. Um, wanting in the public services, wanting power to be dispersed, professional responsibility, personal responsibility, corporate responsibility, civic responsibility, you know, the revival of local government by giving more responsibility to local institutions. Yeah, kind of feels pretty traditional conservatism to me. On that uh, very interactive note, can I say on behalf of Tor Radio, thank you for talking to us today. Thank you. To discuss sponsorship opportunities, email editor at toryradio.com. Do it now.